The Starlight Lounge presents an evening with the progressive box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And uh, he leans over to me and he goes, bring it to me early tonight. Bring it to me early. I'm looking, I'm like... All right, what's, 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 what's going on? He said, when I was a kid, David Robinson wasn't very nice to me. I said, say no more. This series is in a bag, man. That's it. That's it. everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where as Shaq would say, Staples, tell me how my purple and gold statue ass tastes. As this weekend, the big Aristotle, the Diesel, returned home as Shaq's Lakers statue was gloriously unveiled at Staples Center. And what a sight it was. Alan, what are your thoughts on the unveiling and just how the statue looked in general? Very iconic, perfect pose. I couldn't have thought of any other pose that perfectly represented Shaq or any other pose that they could have used, really. So Yeah, yeah. It's like how many dozens of times or even hundreds of times have we seen Shaq do that exact same thing as a player? I mean, they got it down to the most minute detail to the Shaq logo emblem on the bottom of his shoe to everything. So I thought the ceremony was spot on. It was perfect. Um, very classy, of course. And the the list of speakers was phenomenal going all the way through his kids and everything. So thought uh, very classy by the Lakers. Extremely entertaining, of course. You know, that statue... I thought that originally they're just going to put it somewhere on the ground, right? Or like, Mm. I I didn't necessarily think that they'd have it hanging above the the rafters. And to have that scene almost look like a natural dunk is pretty cool, I think. Oh, for sure. One of a kind. I think one of a kind in any stadium, really. Absolutely. Totally. Can you imagine like taking a picture under that thing? You have to tell the person who's taking the picture, hey, yo, you got to go back like 25 yards (laughs) just so we (laughs) can get everything in here, which is pretty epic. It's going to be a great picture. But anyways, yeah, crazy weekend this weekend in sports, basketball in general. Alan, I'm sorry about your UCLA Bruins, Uh... Lonzo Gonzo, but he is going to go to the NBA. So there's that. Yep. Um, there was that crazy shot, Florida, Chiozo, Chorizo. Chorizo. <laughs> Chioza, actually, sorry. Great game winner. Crazy, man. What Running one-footed three-pointer to win. Lakers also flashed the progress on Friday. Jordan Clarkson, career-high eight three-pointers. Devin Booker, 70 points. Incredible, you know, incredible game. They, they lost, though. And apparently, this makes it a little less impressive not to take anything away from Devin Booker, but apparently the Celtics were, or sorry, the Suns were fouling Celtics players at the end just so Devin oh, Booker could get to 70. Ooh. So that kind of taints it a little bit for me. If you know that, yeah, absolutely. It's if not as pure. This, you know, years down the line, oh, man, he's a second-year player. He did this and that. You know, I don't think there's going to be an asterisk at that point. But for right now... Yeah, intrinsically, that just feels a little like, meh. Yeah, but not gonna, right. yeah, still but extremely he, impressive, yeah, though, exactly. get, you know, whatever it He's was. He's only 20, 21, That's 70, 70 points, great. Yeah. But hopefully next time you win the game and don't do random antics like Basketball that. Basketball guys don't like that. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the picture, but they actually took a picture like that Wilt picture. With did, the that, that's a little much, man. <laughs> that's a little much. Like you know, If you, like, broke Kobe's 81, 
then all right, maybe you could do the and also the, maybe the win. I mean, that's the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah, that you too. Know? That too. Um, but you know, shout out to Devin Booker. He also praised Kobe Bryant, saying like, "I got that Kobe mentality in me to nice. just always want more." So, tonight's show is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of audiobooks online. If you use the URL audibletrial.com slash almighty and sign up for a free 30-day trial, you will also receive a free audiobook of your choice upon sign-up. So do that now. Audible.com. It's like reading rainbow, but for your ears. Also, we are proud and excited to announce that the Almighty Baller Network is now part of Dash Radio as Dash's first and only sports radio station. Dash Radio is a digital radio broadcasting platform with more than 60 original stations, as well as partner stations curated by some of the biggest names in music, such as Snoop Dogg and Lil Wayne. So the more we can associate our names with Snoop Dogg and Lil Wayne, the better our future lives will be, I think. Snoop Dogg was there today at Shaq's ceremony. Exactly. D-O-double-G. So Dash Radio is essentially almost like a Spotify or Sirius XM, but it has no subscription fees and no commercials. So starting this upcoming week and all weeks following, you can catch our newest Lakers Legacy podcast episode every Mondays on Dash at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Pretty cool. So, Alan, what do you think about our Dash Radio opportunity and actually maybe being on radio? Honestly, dude, it's, it's like, pretty surreal. Yeah. Um, I, that's It's just pretty crazy to me. Um, I went to this kind of networking seminar event last night, and uh, I was actually speaking to a guy who does a leadership and executive coaching podcast. And I told him, oh, you know, I've been like podcasting as well and this and that and told him about this opportunity that just came up. And his face was like, oh, my God, wait, how long have you guys been doing this? I was like, eh over a year yeah. you know he was like that is insane the fact that things have moved for you guys so quickly so he as he told me keep it up keep nerding out and you know good things are gonna come so i guess it's true you know what the kids say what dash me outside how about it <laughs> oh god <laughs> also please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod please also rate interview us on itunes because the more you rate interview us that's how many Julius Randle pump fakes will eliminate from his pump fake bag of tricks every time he finds himself right below the basket. And let me tell you, we're going to need some more rating and reviews to really pare that down because homie pump fakes at least eight times anytime he's in amongst the trees down there. So please, rate and review us on iTunes. Speaking of rating and reviews, in celebration of Shaq and in honor of Shaq, we've actually got the big Aristotle here to read today's review. Thank you, Jonathan. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, I had a big night tonight, so uh, I'm, I'm feeling myself a little bit. So it's great to be here. Here's the review. Awesome podcast from Film Geek 2001, February 10, 2017. I discovered your podcast around two months ago and have become such a huge fan that I eagerly wait for your uploads after every game. You guys are funny. You have great chemistry and your analysis are always interesting hey boy you got to talk to my daughters who are gonna go to law school that is improper grammar just saying it's okay i love you anyway listening to your podcast feels like i'm at the bar talking lakers with friends i will continue to listen as long as you guys keep doing this b t w you youngins why don't you just type the words i think that's by the way i just asked my kid those impressions though can you dig it can you dig it? <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Shaq. And congratulations once again on getting your, your statue up there at Staples Center. Thank you. Much love. Peace. Cool. So today we actually have a great episode. For those of you worried about the tanking Lakers and whether or not they can keep their pick, our episode is all about our late first round pick and not about our top three pick because we might lose it, especially given that the Lakers beat the Minnesota Timberwolves on Friday. So we're only one game behind the Suns at the time of this recording. And if you're worried about our pick, don't worry, because we do have one surety, the Houston pick. Tonight's episode, we have Sean Darenthal from Ode to Odin podcast, also part of our Almighty Baller radio network. And he's a draft guru, and he was able to share his extensive draft insights with us and give us a full in-depth 2017 late first round, early second round draft primer, giving us an early introduction into who may be available in that range for our Houston pick and what names to look out for so that our draft prep studying stays on fleek, as the kids say. 
Half the time you'll hear us bumbling around with prospects' names and also even questioning whether some of the names Sean throws out there are even real or made up names that a drunk eight-year-old made up. That's all drunk part eight-year-old. Drunk eight-year-old. <laughs> How parenting is that? <laughs> but that's all part of the fun, so take out your notepad and start jotting down some of these names in advance, even if you can't spell them. You likely won't be able to spell them. So with that said, catch us on the turn with Sean Darenthal from O to Odin Draft Podcast. <laughs> You know, we had our battles, we had our times, but we always had respect for each other, and we were able to win three championships. Definitely couldn't have done it without you. I appreciate you very much. Okay, so today we have Sean Darenthal. Sean, did I say that correctly? Yeah, nailed it. Perfect. Sean Darenthal. <laughs> and, you know, at this point, Sean Darenthal sounds like a late first-round prospect that we could draft. Well, I mean, that, that's, how, that's how much we know, or how little we know. We've got Sean Darenthal from Ode to Odin basketball podcast sean i don't want to butcher any of your intro so if you want to let us know a little bit of what you do and what you talk about on that podcast and i guess how you got started sean is actually on the almighty baller radio network along with us so we consider him podcast brother so to say so sean take it away yeah thanks um well just first off like i think you guys are pretty awesome uh i'm i'm definitely happy to be doing this i uh thanks yeah no problem i started getting really really into the draft about uh a couple years ago i've always been really into like the high school guys you know uh, really interested in um the guys coming up and, and getting more like detailed information besides just like mixtapes you know like just scouring youtube for like zion williams dunks and stuff you know <laughs> uh-huh. um so i i wanted to have like a certain kind of content that was a little more informative about those guys coming up and then also about just the draft in general so we talk about Everything that has to do with the NBA draft, but usually how it goes is I'll bring on a guest, uh, somebody who writes, you know, for, I don't know, some something online like The Step Back or Draft Express or something like that. And uh, we'll go into like extreme depth on like four or five prospects and then also talk a little bit about draft philosophy or blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's supposed to be like smart content. I don't know if it is, you know, like we can let the listener decide, but um that that's what at least what our goal is. Uh so yeah, it's it's fun. I like that kind of stuff. I am an NBA guy. I'm not like a college basketball nut or anything, which is funny because now like pretty much all my time is spent just watching college basketball, you know, like sure. I, I don't have that much time to work for the NBA, but uh yeah, it's exciting. I love it. Nice. Uh do you want to throw out your Twitter handle and where people can find you? Yeah, at Ode to Odin pretty simple on Twitter. And then if you want to like email me or anything, I suppose you can at Ode to Odin podcast at gmail.com. And then I have a little website where I, I post a little bit of like draft material that I think is really good for people who are, are looking for draft content. that's a little bit smarter stuff that I read that I like. I, I post there. And then obviously the podcast, you can always find there too, just Ode to Odin.com. So pretty simple. Perfect. And uh, what made you come up with that name, Ode to Odin? What's the what's the behind the scenes <laughs> on that? How'd you come to that name? <laughs> well, when I, actually, when I was starting the podcast, like every good podcaster will give you the advice that you're supposed to have a name that has something to do with your subject matter. You know, that's like really obvious. They see it in iTunes and they can click it and they know what it's already mm-hmm. supposed to be about. And I said, screw that advice. Um, <laughs> I wanted something that was that, that was kind of like cooler than that. Uh, a bunch of podcasts that I love have just random names that have something cool behind it, right? And it starts this little subculture. You, if you understand it, then you're in the know or whatever. Sure. I, I, th- I thought that would be kind of cool. I don't know. So um, I am, I'm a big Ohio State Buckeye fan. And uh, obviously Greg Oden is one of the most infamous draft picks ever right yes Um, so this is like my little ode to him right i I dedicate (laughs) my podcast to him um and uh yeah hopefully a a little bit of good karma can go his way because heavens knows he needs some right i like that angle obviously there's rights to ricky sanchez podcasts like that if we could go a little more underground and undercover as a lakers podcast i think alan you and i are in agreement that we would probably call this Marcus Banks was almost a Laker podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the alliteration is great. So you got something going for you for sure. Um, so you just said you're an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. And I, I don't want to detract too much from what we're going to talk about, which is the late first round. But obviously, our most talented prospect at the moment, mm. D'Angelo Russell, yeah. came from Ohio State. So just quickly, what are your thoughts on D'Angelo Russell, I guess, when he was coming out of the draft, when he was in Ohio State, and what do you think about what he's doing right now in the NBA? Obviously, like I'm crazy biased about this, but there there is something just kind of actually you guys mentioned this a little bit um, on on your last pod podcast that Ed Isaacson mentioned this point um, 
I, I don't always see eye to eye with Ed. Sure. He's uh I think he's he's a little bit of a a, a bag of hot air. Let's say he, he's got he's got a little bit of hot takery in him. I think. Yeah. But he nailed it. Um, as far as D'Angelo not always being the best point guard, having amazing passing skills and like uh, a really great set shot. But as far as uh, the creator out of a high pick and roll, which is the offensive set for the NBA, he didn't always show tons of aptitude for that in college. So he's he's an NBA player. He's going to be a good NBA player. I think he's going to be a good NBA starter. He's not like a first, second best player on a really good team, though. You know, I don't, I don't think he was ever going to be that, which is fine. You know, you need guys that fill certain roles and he fills a role really well. I mean, he just got to put a little bit, like a little bit of carrying to the defensive end, right? Like, please, like just a little bit. And I think that, yeah, I, I don't think we need to worry, I guess, is my point. Gotcha. Cool. Quickly, do you follow an NBA team in particular or? Yeah, I've, I'm I'm a, I'm a big Thunder fan. I, I know it's like super random, but I, uh, you, you know, when you're like a little kid and you're, and you're reading Sports Illustrated and a player has your name, Sean Kemp, then all, all of a sudden, if you live in, if you, if you live in Cincinnati, right, then you don't have a team to root for. So I, uh, I loved Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, and uh, when the franchise moved, obviously I was loyal to the franchise, not the city, uh, and so I just kind of you know adopted the Thunder as my team. Very cool. All right, so let's get right into it before we actually get into the late first round and maybe the early second round, because depending on whether we keep our top three pick this year, we either could have a top three pick and Houston's pick, which is right now going to be number 28, or we could get number 28 and keep our second rounder this year, which would be number 32. It all depends on whether we keep our Philly pick, I guess. Um, So before we get to that, though, I just wanted to quickly pick your brain on the top of this draft, because obviously we're all about Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Josh Jackson. And I guess we could just get your quick thoughts on who you think is the best prospect. And obviously, I think if the Lakers get number one, we're going Fultz all the way, Fultz steam ahead. Uh, But if we do get number (laughs) two or number three, it's really right now, at least in our opinion, it's going to come down to either Lonzo Ball or Josh Jackson. I don't know if you have any differing opinions on that, but I guess who excites you the most and would you also take Fultz number one? Yeah, I unfortunately, guys, like this is kind of uninteresting. I think you're right. Fultz number one, clear cut in a tier by himself, uh, can do so many things really, really well. Nothing, nothing great, like nothing. I think he doesn't have a, an attribute that stands out as well as um, Josh Jackson's like rim protection from the wing, which is spectacular. He doesn't have Lonzo Ball's like intelligence, with his, which is just super, super strong. But he's good at almost everything, good to great at almost everything. Um, and a lot of people will kind of hammer his defense. I I say don't buy into that. Uh, and over the summer in the uh, in the FIBA USA games, the the Under America team, he was amazing defender. On ball, he's fine. Off ball, instinctually, I think he's great. So uh, yeah, Fultz in the tier all by himself. Then in the second tier, I think it gets a little more interesting. I think the pick probably for you guys is Josh Jackson or Lonzo Ball. Uh, I think, I think you know that I'm not going out on a limb here, obviously with that kind of stuff. But I do think that Jonathan Isaac is mm. in that same tier, and that if, um, if if you're a different team than the Lakers, I think you start to consider Jonathan Isaac there. But um, like say like say Philly might, or I don't know, I think you guys, Orlando, maybe Sacramento, there are maybe a couple other teams, Phoenix, I guess, kind of just, they should just go best player available because they don't have any one player that stands out that you kind of have to fight for minutes for it at that same position. Like, you don't have to worry about fit at all just because, mm-hmm. you know, your asset base isn't super deep yet. So yeah, definitely uh, Josh Alonzo. I think probably I would lean Josh Jackson because um, if, if only for this reason, Lonzo Ball's um, uh, range of outcomes is really, really broad. He's such a different kind of prospect that you don't know whether his uh, offensive style is going to translate to the NBA. Like, if anyone tells you that they know that's going to work, like I think I think you have to kind of maybe like put them on the back burner and take their opinion like a little bit less, just because uh, he's so different, right? He's he's more difficult to project. Mm-hmm. Josh Jackson, I think, is is a lock to be a pretty great player. But Ball could be great. He could be like the best player in the draft, bar none. Or he could like not be that great because he has athleticism issues, and you know his shot could be uh, too low of a release to work, too long, too long to work. You know, breaking down guys off off the dribble, the high pick and roll isn't really his bread and butter. He might just be like a good off ball player, 
like the range of outcomes is really it's really wide. So uh, if you want to swing for the fences, you pick ball there. If you're a little more risk averse, then Jackson's probably the way to go. Gotcha. Alan, did you have any questions at the top of the draft for the Lakers? No, I mean, I can definitely see that. Uh, I'm a big UCLA fan, so I've seen almost every UCLA game this season, and I've often wondered the same thing. Like, how is how are Lonzo Ball skill sets going to translate to the NBA? I mean, it's just a completely different level of speed and athleticism. And sure, right now in college, he's blowing by guys and completely playing over their heads. But obviously, you know, if he ends up on the Lakers and he's kind of running the ship, um, I, I could definitely see where there might be some issues where he, he hits that wall. And with Josh Jackson, like you said, you can like tangibly see his skill set at that next level. So I, I agree with you there. There's a bit of a, a hesitancy, I guess, on really pulling that trigger with ball right away. I guess my last question about the top of this draft is positionally, because we do have D'Angelo Russell as either the point guard or shooting guard, do you see either Lonzo Ball or Josh Jackson being a better fit? And because you did see D'Angelo at Ohio State, and I think he was playing next to Shannon Scott, do you see that dynamic working out, knowing that with Lonzo Ball, he'd have a competent ball handler and also someone who could cut and just like, you know, jump for lobs in certain scenarios as well. And then with regards to Josh Jackson, do you see him eventually just becoming a power forward or do you see his position just being small forward? And in the Lakers scenario, because we do have Brandon Ingram, could he potentially play a play the shooting guard spot and become like a big shooting guard? That's that's interesting. I haven't heard anybody talk about Josh Jackson at the two. I think I think um I think that's probably out of the question. It's it's definitely interesting. Obviously, if you have uh, Jackson and Ingram as your three and four, then you're really versatile on defense, right? Like that mm-hmm. position is kind of melding into one, right? It's the wing position in the NBA anyway. Yeah. Um, and definitely late in the shot clock, I'm not worried about jo- Josh Jackson switching maybe one through four. Like if he's on if he's on your point guard with five seconds on the shot clock, I'm totally fine with that too. So um, yeah, that's interesting. I. I think that he's probably a three, ideally, mm-hmm. but uh, as the league trends that way and as he gets older and bulks up a little bit more, I, I don't think playing at the four is going to be a problem. Um, and, and I think actually that it, it might be better offensively for him to be uh, playing the four, I guess defensively playing the four, however you want to do the positions. Defensively guarding fours, because then on the offensive end, uh, it it might take away from the fact that you know finding good stretch fours that can also play defense is difficult. So as far as just like rock, roster construction flexibility, it's going to make more sense to put him at the four and let him, you know, uh, be like a secondary creator and be surrounded by shooters uh, rather than having like a, a classic four in there who, mm-hmm. you know, maybe might not be shooting that well unless you kind of just stick him in the corner. But as far as like the fit you were talking about with Lonzo Ball, um, I think the fit for both of them is great, especially Ball, I think mm-hmm. works really well because then him and D'Angelo can just be the kind of, you know, de facto kind of and i mean no one's a de facto point guard it's just kind of like a package deal uh bond lonzo works really well off the ball uh obviously we talked about d'angelo works really really well off the ball i think that's probably where he's best suited um but the problem that you run into there is then who's defending ones i don't think balls going to be very good at defending ones i think uh ideally you're gonna have to hide him on the worst offensive player one through three and that's kind of the problem with D'Angelo Russell too. So um I I guess I guess maybe Josh Jackson is the better fit technically, even though he overlaps a little bit more with Ingram just because he gives you more uh more versatility on defense. But I I think probably probably you don't have a good enough player on the roster yet to even worry about that. Sure. I think I think you just take the player who you think is probably going to be the best, and because of that kind of dearth like we were talking about. I think the Lakers should just swing for upside with ball. So, mm, Cool. All right. So with that said, obviously, we have a ton of time to talk about this because the Lakers season is ending in about three weeks. So it'll be all about <laughs> Lonzo Ball, Mark Fultz, Josh Jackson, and just waiting on pins and needles to see if we keep that pick. So with that said, the one surety is that the Lakers do have their first round pick. By way of Lou Will trade, we do have Houston's first, which is right, <laughs> right now going to be the number 28th pick. And also, again, if we don't keep our top three pick, potentially also the number 32. So with that said, I thought it would be a good idea for Lakers fans to start getting a introductory course on which prospects are available from 25 through 38 pretty much in that range in this draft obviously I don't think we've seen the official announcements on who is 
eligible to come out, who are the official declarants. But right now, I think we have a good idea, or at least you do, of some of the prospects that we can take a look at now and keep a keep an eye out for as the season ends. So before we get to that, though, I wanted to ask Alan. Um, Alan, based off of the Lakers roster, I guess, what kinds of players are you looking for in that range at this point? And, you know, to speak to Sean, I guess, what players do you think, what skills do you think would best fit the Lakers right now? And what sort of players are you looking for for the Lakers in that range? I would really like a versatile defender because God knows at this point we really don't have that on our team. Um, I think Brandon Ingram is one of our better defenders and he can guard one through three. And as he gets older and gets stronger, maybe he could get that four if it's a stretch. But a three and D wing would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think a backup point guard would be nice who is just a decent defender, a guy who can come in the game at the end of the first quarter and just be a stopgap while our starters rest and make sure that the lead or deficit that we're in doesn't, you know, expand or shrink too much. Just a guy who could really put in place and and rely on defensively. As far as the offense goes, I would say anything uh, that could come along with it would be just like, you know, the gravy or the cherry on top. Um, A a third priority, I suppose, could be backup center, because right now it looks like Ivica Zubats is our starting center of the future. Um, And, you know, if, if Mozgov is still a part of this team in the future, and you know we're not looking to play him at backup too much. So then you have Tark Black, who's probably six foot seven at best. Um, I think a backup center would also be great. And again, someone who can play defense extremely well. Yeah, I agree on all those points. For me, I think the skills that I'm looking for the most would be just literally a three and D guy, someone who can all, who can shoot and play defense. Right now, we have David Nwaba, who we've called up from the D-League, who's been a defensive revelation, but unfortunately, he can't shoot, and he doesn't have an offensive game. So anybody in that range who could also shoot the three-point shot and uh, projects to be a pretty decent defender would be amazing. And like Alan said, with regards to another big, I don't think uh, athleticism would hurt at all if we could get just another raw prospect who can run the floor, block shots and dunk and play pick and roll well, like a poor man's Tyson Chandler or something like that. So with all that said, obviously we're going to preface everything by saying, Sean, you know way more than we do. Alan and I, if you threw out some random <laughs> names, uh, and actually we can make a game out of this. You can just randomly throw out a name and Alan and I can guess whether or not you just made that up. Because there are some names in this range that sound like made up names. For example, Jerron Ger- Blossom Game. And Caleb Swanigan sounds like names that I just came up with. So if you want to throw in some <laughs> some additional ones, uh, we can play that game. But uh, yeah, with that said, and us prefacing the types of skills we're looking for, I guess with the 28th pick, what are some of the prospects that you would name out first for us? Well, um, just just like to kind of preface this a little bit, like, like you said at the beginning, we don't know which underclassmen are going to commit. And um and that really, really changes the bottom of this draft. Mm-hmm. I think there are there are guys sprinkled up and down the first round um, that I think are really, really good, and I would love to have them declare, but it looks like they're probably not going to. Um, so that like significantly changes the quality of the end, right? Like if you take sure. out, if you have to push everyone up uh, five slots, well then you're getting like five or six, seven slots, you're getting a significantly worse player. Um, so some of these guys that, I, that I'm that i going to throw out may not declare, but I think are definitely interesting to watch. Um, and then second of all, um, just as far as like realistic expectations, I know you guys are smart and I'm sure like your audience is super smart, but like the, realis- the realistic expectation of finding a guy at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, who uh, becomes a backup for you is... Um, actually a little bit less than like a coin toss, right? Like like historically speaking. So um, probably these guys won't uh, play in the league for very long. A lot of them won't make it past their first contract. Uh, and then some of them will stick, right? There, there are going to be some guys that stick. And rarely, if ever, are you going to find a starter. So just with, with that and with those expectations, um, there are a few guys that I like a lot more than consensus. And maybe I can just throw some of these names at you Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, one guy who probably uh, is gaining a little more ground recently, who probably won't fall uh, to that 28th uh, pick, um, is Donovan Mitchell from Louisville. Uh, he's 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 a potential 3 and D prospect. 
obviously that's like one of the most coveted things in the NBA right now, you know, besides, uh, besides like a championship level, like first option on your team. Right. Yeah. Uh, so those guys are really difficult at the end of the first round. Everybody that you draft is going to have a flaw and to find like a really good three and D prospect is, is pretty difficult. Usually they can play defense or they can shoot. Uh, you, so usually you just pick the guy that can play defense and you try to teach him to shoot. But this Donovan Mitchell guy out of Louisville, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of him, but um, he's, he's a little bit shorter. Uh, he's, he's kind of like a classic two. But what I like about him and what, I, what I'm kind of learning by, by diving into this more and more is that a lot of the great perimeter defenders, uh, both in college and I think at the NBA, they're not necessarily the lightning quick guys that you'd kind of expect, like the super, super athletic guys that you'd expect to be, you know, that have all these great potential defensive tools in their toolbox, but rather guys that are strong and have, you know, whatever it is, this innate skill to kind of anticipate on the perimeter. And Donovan Mitchell, I think, has both of both of these things in spades. Um, his his handle's really good. He can operate in pick and rolls well. He's going to be a secondary creator attacking closeouts like on the weak side, you know, after D'Angelo or Lonzo creates something a little bit for you, you know, then you swing it to, to Donovan and he can attack uh, kind of a mismatch or, or a rotating defense, something like that on the weak side. Um, his, I don't know if I said this already, but his three-point shot is coming around. That It's a little bit streaky, but it's definitely there. I, I believe in it personally. I think if he's somebody that falls there, like you think you're lucky stars, I don't think he will. But a few other names, uh, one guy that I like a lot, and I think that there are going to be some bigs at the end of the round, at the end of the first round, where you're going to see a lot of value because there just aren't a lot of fives in this draft. Um, there aren't a lot of competent kind of longer fours in this draft either. There's somebody, and you're going to have to forgive me for, for this name, um, Anjus Pasechniks. I've been practicing that a lot, actually. Did um, you make that guy up? I feel like you made that guy up, to be honest <laughs> with you. No, so he is um, he's somebody who uh, has gotten a little, bit of, a little bit of pub at the beginning of the year and then dropped off a little bit. He's been playing in the ACB League, which is probably the second best uh, league in the world, not counting the EuroLeague uh, in Spain. And he's like a seven foot two prospect, um, really fluid athlete. Uh, and you know fluidity with that length, you don't necessarily have to be able to jump out of the gym like a DeAndre Jordan type. Um, and you you know you you still bother a lot of shots at the rim. Uh, he's young. He has broad shoulders. You know you think of him developing that strength that kind of like a Rudy Gobert has, and you and you pair that with the mobility. Um, I like him a lot. I personally have him in like the eleven to fifteen range, but oh, wow. uh, most people kind of have him at the end of the first. So I actually like him as a prospect much more than Zubac. Uh, I wasn't that high on Zubac before. I think he's probably surpassed my expectations, but I think that he's Zubac. Like I think that he's probably on a good team, a backup five. Uh, so um, I think, I think swinging for the fence on a five that you can definitely stash overseas is something probably that makes a lot of sense for you guys as you, as you're like, you know, still in, I don't know, uh, flash the progress mode as, yeah. as you guys like to say, right? Like you yeah. might have some high draft picks for the next few years. So, I think he's someone to look at. Can we stay right there, actually? Because uh, you made up a good you made a good point. Because if we do end up losing our pick and then we do keep twenty eight and thirty two, I was going to ask you: Are there any international prospects that we could potentially stash for a little bit? And on Zedzic Pasiknicks. <laughs> Um, he's 21 right now, <laughs> but I guess I wanted to say on here just because you mentioned that you like him better as a prospect than Zubats, and despite the fact that he's uh, two years older than Zubats, I guess what qualities do you like that project him out to be better, I guess? Is it mostly the athleticism? Because normally we think about Euro guys, and Zubats is usually the prototypical stereotype we think of in terms of skilled big who can shoot the shoot a jump shot and has post skills, but it sounds like this Pasechnik's guy is at least pretty long and athletic. Is that correct? Yeah. So I just the main defense comes on the the, the main difference comes on the defensive potential. Mm. Um, I think that in today's NBA, like bigs that aren't really going to be able to anchor your defense are are almost kind of unplayable at like the upper echelons of the league. Like in the playoffs, those guys just get run off the floor. Um, and I I think that's a problem. Obviously, Zubac he's not a complete negative. Uh, like he's really strong and he's smart about rebounds. Like I love his shot preparation for rebounds. Like he he does a lot of little things really well. But I think that his defensive ceiling is just pretty low, honestly. So Pusechniks, um is 
is uh yeah fluid i think that he's going to be able to like corral driving guards you know just has that kind of athleticism that you're looking for in the kind of modern system where you have one big and then surround him with shooters and that one big doesn't necessarily have to be the most offensive skilled guy because diving to the rim off high pick and rolls that's like that's like one of the most valuable sure. uh like lob plays in the nba right are super super efficient so um i think that he's going to be a valuable offensive player not the kind of classic create in the post guy you know he's not that guy uh, but he sets good screens and diving you have to bring a help defender on the weak side you know to open up the backside three and blah 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 all that stuff uh, that we talk about a lot so I think that uh, yeah I think that potentially he's a better option than Zubak so it sounds like he can guard the pick and roll or you see him potentially being able to guard the pick and roll and blow those coverages up correct yeah, like I don't think he's going to be on the perimeter too much, but as far as just like the system where uh, you don't trap all of your high pick and rolls, you just funnel everyone to the middle. Uh, I think that type of defensive scheme is ideal for him, and that's and that's a really popular one in the NBA right now. Cool. Yeah, and this guy is seven two. Alan, try saying his name. Pasek Paseknitz. Wait. Let me, let me hear it said the right way by okay, Sean. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Sean. <laughs> I, okay, this is this is my guess. Um, well, a little bit more than a guess, but, you know. Uh, Anjis Pasechniks. Anjis Pasechniks. Yeah, just keep practicing. You'll get there. I feel like I'm inebriated as I'm saying that. Anjis Pasechniks. Flash the Pasechniks. All right, so any any other guys we should look out for? Um, yeah, so uh, just I'm gonna throw out, like a few names and just like do quick hitters really sure. fast if that if that's all right. So a few other guys that I'm much higher on that I think might fall to you guys in the late first maybe um, if a few of these underclassmen stay in. Uh, OG Ananobi probably heard that name before. Yeah, really super uh, like looks like a demigod running around out there mm-hmm. like like a some some kind of Greek god. He's he's a four ideally. Um, and he, he has a little bit of a three-point shot. I don't believe too much in it, but he can legitimately switch one through four. He can be kind of a guy that you can make a defensive scheme around, someone that you could pair with a Zubak who um, still has a, a enough perimeter skills uh, to where he's not completely clogging your offense, um, someone that I like a lot. And if he hits offensively, then you strike like a gold mine there. Uh, Juwan Evans, uh, uh, a pretty small guard out of Oklahoma State, uh, a point guard, someone who kind of reminds you aesthetically. I don't. I kind of hate doing the comparison game, but just aesthetically, so you can kind of see how he plays. Um, a lot like Chris Paul, where really, really good in the high pick and roll. Um, kind of the the hesitation, start and stop quickness is there. Gets all the way to the rim very easily. The mid range pull up game, he's actually really efficient at, which you know isn't uh, is is kind of a, a rarer quality. Somebody who's really interesting, I think, could be a really good backup point guard and you know finding a good backup point guard at the end of the first round is a super valuable thing um somebody else that's really interesting is tyler Lydon, and like lonzo ball i think he has a super wide range of outcomes he's like your classic white boy uh stretch four um he's out of syracuse he's definitely declared for the draft so he's in this thing and he has one of the quickest smoothest jump shots that you'll see in the draft probably like absolutely textbook like um you know in high school it's like the video that your coaches show you on like how to shoot a basketball that was made in the 1970s you know like that kind of guy yeah um but but super super quick release um and has nba range already but like the the super valuable guys these quote-unquote unicorns that we talk about are guys that can stretch the floor but also have high block numbers now Leiden, he doesn't strike you as like an amazing athlete, but he has some uh, statistical indicators. Like his his steal rate's okay, but his block rate is much higher than you'd think. Um, playing in that Syracuse uh, two threes like famous zone that they run, uh, it masks a lot of uh, things. So you don't always want to take you want to take Syracuse defensive stats with a grain of salt. But block numbers is kind of interesting. He's somebody who's really really intriguing for me. A lot of people are really low on him. Um, I, th- I think that he's worth it at the end of the first, beginning of the second, just because of the upside there. Would you consider him to be like a shot-blocking Ryan Anderson, something like that? Because he's 6'10", I see. Right, yeah. He's he's a potential shot-blocking Ryan Anderson. Like, But he's probably... 
like a worse shooter than Ryan Anderson. Right, Ryan Anderson right. is an amazing shooter, right? So like the odds that he actually uh, fulfills this thing that I'm talking about are pretty low. But um, I think as far as just percentages go, he's he's as good a bet as any you know in this range where players usually don't pan out anyway. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Um, an- another name that um, I'm about to make up for you guys, uh, Sv- Sviatoslav Mikhailuk. Yeah, you made that up. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's Ukrainian, super interesting guy. Uh, you may have heard of him. He plays with Josh, Josh Jackson at Kansas. He's like the only white starter, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, he actually went to Kansas freshman year as a 16-year-old from Ukraine. And so right now, I think he's still only 19 or something like that. And... He has a little bit of athleticism. He's like your classic two, three, probably closer to a two than a three, um, that can just shoot really well. His form is like some of the most beautiful form that that you'll see. Um, and I I like him as somebody else that you kind of just roll the dice on, a potential three and D guy. Um, a little bit less on the D, but but definitely high high upside on the three. Um, and I think that he's more athletic than people give him credit for. Um, and I think I think that he's also pretty smart. Like his, I think that he will be able to play a good team defense to make up for a little bit of that of that athleticism. Um, and then another uh, European prospect that I think would be a good draft and stash guy that you pick in the second round. His name is Kostya Mushidi. I don't know where he's from uh, origin wise, but he I think he's grown up in Germany and he plays he plays he plays for a team called Megalex. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of he, that's like the uh, the Kentucky of European basketball. They get a bunch of young stars who are just trying to showcase themselves for the NBA. Um, he's like a, a long, super long wing creator, like a six six, maybe like a six five kind of guy. He's been heralded um, as probably like a first round pick for a long time and recently kind of just hasn't lived up to that billing. The athleticism is still there. The length is there. He just hasn't been hitting a consistent outside shot. And it seems like a little bit of like the defensive IQ may not be there. I think it's more of a motor issue. I think he's definitely a good pick uh, mid, mid second round, definitely late first round. Like a lot of guys are going to be trying to buy picks to pick him Mm -hmm. to stash him overseas for a little bit. Um, There are, there are several other guys. Maybe I'll just say one more 3 and D potential prospect if sure. he commits. He's an older, I think maybe he's a redshirt freshman, maybe he's a sophomore. He's a little bit older for his class, but Bruce Brown mm. out of Miami, Florida. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah, he's come on a pretty recent, kind of out of nowhere this year. Uh, kind of in the mid, in the middle of the season, he was starting to get a lot of buzz. He's like a primary creator type, uh, about a 6'5", has a longer wingspan, Super athletic. Like, he's just one of those guys in high school that probably excelled at every sport, never tried a day in his life. Uh, that that kind of guy, just like a natural. Yeah. He lacks a little bit of the feel. Uh, he had to play the role for Miami to be a primary creator. So a lot of isolation situations, breaking guys down off the dribble. His shot is kind of questionable, although for stretches it's looked really good, shot really high percentages, but um, I'm not sure how much I believe in it. Um, but as – as far as the defensive end, he has like all the tools you could want. So if you think you can teach him basketball, uh, I think that he's a really interesting pick at the end of the first with that 28th pick. No, I I really like Bruce Brown because obviously if you take one look at his highlights and he just jumps out of the page, literally yeah. jumps out of the page, right? He has like Russell Westbrook-like athleticism, but obviously the biggest thing for him is his defensive upside and potential. And so that's exactly the kind of guard we would want, someone who is defensive-minded, but also he's not incompetent on offense, right? He can actually like run a pick and roll and play make a little bit, right? Um, so I really like yeah. that potential out of him and just... Honestly, the the athletic upside is what, real, what really draws me. But again, the potential on the defensive end, and also the, the fact that he could probably handle the ball as well in a pinch and and be that stopgap is great for Bruce Brown. So yeah, Alan, did you have any questions on particular prospects? Any that uh, Sean didn't throw out that you might have questions on? Yeah, and uh, not to show my UCLA bias too much here, <laughs> but um, I was actually going to ask you about Ek Anybogu. Um, Jonathan, do you think that's a real name or a fake name? Um, Ek Anibogu. I'll say real. There you go. It is real indeed. <laughs> um, so, and again, not to like do the comparison comparison thing too much physically, but his body reminds me of like Serge Ibaka. Um, this guy is only a freshman right now at UCLA, and he comes off the bench 
and we don't know if he's going to declare for the draft or not. But physically, he looks like he's ready. Now, he's very raw offensively, but he's a great rim protector. He rolls hard to the rim on pick and rolls, and he catches a ton of alley-oops um, from pretty much anyone who handles the ball on UCLA. So, yeah, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on Anibogu as a potential prospect at this point. Yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting one, if only because at the beginning of the season, he wasn't getting a lot of minutes, right? And then right. kind of recently, he's come on more and more as – that teams have really challenged them inside. TJ Leaf, as much as you love his offensive skill, is kind of like a little bit of a sieve. Totally. Um, and then, I, gosh, I'm totally blanking. Who is your uh, tall white center starter? Like oh, Welsh. Automatic. Welsh, yep, yeah. Welsh. Like offensive, often, awesome offensive player, like adequate defensive player at the college level. Um, but yeah, and Obogo obviously like sky's the limit for him, right? He's really interesting. I'll be honest. I don't have a great read on him offensively. Um, catching lobs, I I don't I I I question his hand and his feel a little bit. His screens are frankly just trash. Like he's big, so he's getting he's, he's getting right. away with a lot of little things that are that are really bad. But um, I've I've pretty much heard from like anybody that I trust that he's not going to declare. But if he does, well, then a lot of teams I think are going to be forced to pick him. Yeah. In, like in the middle of the first, honestly, mm-hmm. just because of just because of all the upside that he has, um, yeah, I think like a slower Ibaka is not a horrible comparison. Somebody that can you know play the five for your team for you know the next ten years or whatever. I yeah, he's he's interesting. I I don't know too much. Like I haven't done like any deep dives on him, but uh, interesting for sure. Yeah, I I definitely think he should stay another year to develop, especially because Leaf's going to be out of the way. And Welsh is going to be gone too, so it's going to give him more opportunities just to develop his game, and he'll he'll get picked higher um, if he were to stay another year. What about Devonte Bacon, Alan? Is that a real real or fake guy? That's so real, dude. A- anything with bacon is good. So no, it's actually fake. I put oh. Devonte. <laughs> I, I put Devonte Graham from Kansas and Dwayne Bacon from Florida State together to make Devonte Bacon. <laughs> Okay, first of all, what happened to Harry Giles? He's this year's uh, Cliff Robinson and Scalabissieri, right? Where we always hear about these super touted high school prospects that at the beginning of the year, they're like top five picks. And then they just slip, slip, slip. I think Harry Giles has been injured or something. But even when he's gotten few minutes, I guess he just hasn't panned out. I guess what's what's the deal with Harry Giles? And if he slipped to the Lakers range, is he enough of an upside pick to just be like, hey, why not? He's athletic. He's got a 7-3 wingspan. He's still long. Yeah, he's really interesting. Giles is somebody that I uh, learned a big lesson on because as as I watched like the kind of the good film that you can get from high school games, a lot a lot of it's just trash, right? These guys are so much better than everybody else. It's really hard to tell like what's going on and they don't care about playing defense in AAU games or whatever. But the stuff that I that was good that I did watch, I wasn't very high on him. Um athletically, he's got like everything. He's got length, he had the bounce uh, despite you know, tearing an ACL in both of his knees. I think one of them mm-hmm. twice, uh, which which was the most recent injury. But um, offensively, he never showed like any skill whatsoever. So if he's going to be in the NBA, then you think, okay, you know, maybe he develops a little bit of that. But like honestly, most guys, if you don't see skill at all, like kind of what I'm learning more and more is that it just doesn't develop. You have to see something, and usually you come into the league with something. And what you have gets better. Like, rarely do guys actually add new skills, right? So, Giles was a super high motor, long guy that people thought uh, maybe could play the four. I mean, in my mind, he was always a five. Uh, Offensively, in the post, he was always just been atrocious, but had a really high usage. was kind of like a black hole. Passing was never really a thing for him. He was just this amazing, explosive athlete athlete that everyone fell in love with. And a lot of guys that I trusted um, had him number one overall by a mile. And so I kind of just said, okay, fine, I'll put him in my like preseason tier number one, blah, 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 with Fultz and with uh, Tatum. But I think that what you're seeing at Duke, a lot of people are completely dismissing it because um, he's coming back from the injury and it's all mental. You see that he's really hesitant. Well, what I think is like that the game is a little bit too fast for him. And I think that it would have been too fast for him even without this injury. I think that you saw a lot of that stuff at the lower levels. Um, I don't know, like... I have him in my tier eight. I know that means nothing to you guys, but like that's pick like 37 to 44. And this is like, that sounds really precise. I understand in the second round, like there's no precision whatsoever. Right. Uh, but 
I think that probably he's an end of the second uh, guy that you pick and just maybe just bank that, you know, there's a lot there and that it's really all being hidden by these injuries and stuff. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I think that he's, he's a, he's a lesson to be learned for sure. Gotcha. How the mighty have fallen. Alan, (laughs) any other, any other guys that you have questions on? Uh, no, I'm good. Cool. What about Mateus Lasort? Alan, is that a real name? The last Lasort? It's real. Ah, good job. All right. um, I do have one question on another prospect. Um, semi. Okay, this one it could be made up, but I, I can't pronounce it. No, name. it's real, man. I did my homework on him today. Okay. <laughs> semi Ojale or Ojalai. Ojale. I'm pretty sure it's Ojale. Six uh, seven from SMU. This guy has a really interesting build. I don't even know what to describe it as. He's like Corey Maggetti buff. Yeah. Uh, but he's also a little chunky. I have no idea what position this guy would play. Is he a small forward? He's too big to play small forward. I feel like. But I guess can you talk on him a little bit? Yeah, he's definitely a four. Uh, the people that have him high, I think what what they're banking on is that his vertical athleticism translates to just being overall athletic. So you put him at the four and he's a little bit switchy, you know, maybe like three through five uh, because he's so strong. He can kind of push backup fives out of the paint and that he'll hold his own on second units that way. And that his shot is like so smooth and he shows a lot of coordination for that huge body that he has that you think, OK, we're going to add a lot of skill to this guy. Um, already his three-point shot looks smooth enough Do you think you're pretty confident that, that it's going to translate, you know, that you can add three feet to his shot already and that'll be fine. Um, I am a little bit lower than most people. Um, I think that he's a, a kind of like the a beginning of the second round kind of pick, like around like 35 or so, which is, which is fine, right? Like the upside is still there. I just don't know that he's as athletic as everyone's hoping that he is. Uh, at in college, these fours that are kind of athletic look super athletic, um, right? Like playing other fours because most other teams don't have uh, small bigs that play the four that are really actually threes, right? That, that make everyone look bad. Like, for example, at Duke, you can go back through like the last four years and everyone there is like a three in the NBA, kind of a four, but like played the four at Duke and looked just like an athletic beast, right? So I think Ojale probably by comparison is looking a little more athletic than he actually is, but offensively he's fine. Uh, but I, I think the reason you pick him is because he's both the three and the D from the four position. I don't know if that's real or fake. Uh, I kind of lean toward fake, but he's definitely interesting. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. So to end this show, I just wanted a quick rapid fire, just ask you some questions and you can throw out a name for it. So for example, in this range, who would you consider, the best shooter, if you could pick him at twenty eight. Okay, just shooter in general, best shooter. Best shooter. Okay, I'm I'm gonna throw another name out there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, this guy's never gonna get picked, but I love this guy, and so I've got to I've got to just hype him when I can. Um, his name is Borisa Simanic, and he um he's a Serbian, somebody that coming up through the ranks like grew way earlier than everybody else, and so had a lot of eyes on him. He's like a six eleven guy right now. He's playing for uh. A, a big kind of name brand Russian team and he's not getting a ton of minutes. Um, but I still think that he has a ton of potential. He is, he has kind of a, a complete perimeter game. He's way more athletic than you think. He's pretty quick, like pulling up off the dribble at six eleven. I know I hate comparison. I hate to do this, but just we're, we're, we're on a podcast, right? Like I can't show sure. you a, a mixtape. So just aesthetically what he might look like, honestly, like a Kevin Durant, just length pulling up on, after like a crossover on the perimeter. That's him. I mean, he's not as fluid, not, not as athletic as Durant. Obviously doesn't have all the skill, blah, blah, blah. The, the knock on him is like this. Uh, he has a really weird motor. People say that he's like this super, super shy kid. He can't get any minutes on this team. And people think that probably should be starting starting to get minutes he's already 19 he's young i think in the nba if you put him in a role and say okay you're gonna guard threes and fours because he's like rail thin um but he's really quick and he can reach so even if he gets beat like a half step past you um his reach is such that he's still bothering your shot at the rim um and then obviously contesting you on closeouts that length we know is super important for defensive players i think he could be the steal of the draft, and I know everyone's going to call me crazy, but like I'm going to die on this hill, the 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 Simonich hill, because 
I don't know that there's any big big man prospect in this draft. I'm trying to think so that like I don't make a stupid mistake. I'm trying to think of anybody in this draft or in the draft before or in the draft coming up that has a smooth outside shot with as much range as he does at like 6'10 and above. Um, I, I think he could be really, really special. So I think he's worth uh, drafting kind of in the late first, definitely in the second. Cool. What's his name again? Borisa Simanic. Cool. Okay, so who is going to be the underrated dude because of his age? Like the next Malcolm Brogdon, Larry Nance, because they're a little bit older, they slip, but they're essentially going to be the prototypical role player who may not have that much upside, but could very well fill out as a solid and steady NBA rotation player, in your opinion, in this draft. Um, Well, like, I'll just say I have no idea. Um, but 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 um, just to throw a name out there, one that's a little bit trendy right now, um, especially because he's starting to come on late. Um, well, actually, you know what? That's not true. He's not starting to come on late. He's starting to get some pub because South Carolina is never shown on national television. Like nobody cares about SEC basketball unless it's Kentucky, right? <laughs> um, Sindarius Thornwell. Uh, he's 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 an older player. I think he's like already twenty three. Super high-level prospect coming out of high school. Super highly recruited guy. Has always been super inefficient, but he's he's like your prototypical uh, four. Like he has the body of a four, maybe maybe a little bit a little bit shorter than a four. But as far as just IQ, passing, strength, um, motor, everything like that, he excels in all the ways that you want a good role player to excel. And I think that there is potential to develop his shot. We're seeing it kind of develop. Now, that's like a statistical no-no. Like, all of my nerd friends are going to say, Sean, stop saying that. Once you're 23, like, your three-point percentage <laughs> most likely is your three-point percentage, right? But I think that there's room to develop here. Um, I think that he's going to be somebody that is like your quote-unquote classic glue guy. I know that's, like, really uh, stereotypical, but um, Sindarius Thornwell. And he has, like, a great name, right? So Right, uh, exactly. We're all rooting for this guy for sure. Cool. Okay, so who's going to be the next or best 3 and D guard, like in the likes of Courtney Lee, Iman Shumpert, Danny Green in this range? Um, somebody that that I think is interesting, um, that I technically have a little bit lower, but I, I think he's worth kind of bringing up in this mold. Uh, also with another great name. His name is Shake Milton. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, he I is, haven't, but sounds great. <laughs> he's a sophomore. He plays with... Um, Ojalele, or Ojale, excuse me, who we talked about before on SMU. SMU has a really interesting lineup. They have like a bunch of like six five through six nine guys that all switch, and they're all just like athletic guys. He plays point guard. Uh, he's not like the kind of point guard that you think about, like the Joan Evan type, like I talked about before. Chris Paul, you know, dominate the ball, um, throwing lobs, high pick and roll kind of guy. He's his ball skills aren't great. Uh, driving skills aren't great his first step isn't great but his shot is really amazing and he's six five with crazy long arms a little on the weak side so like i talked about strength being like one of the most important defensive qualities he doesn't have that but i think he has the frame to add that so like beginning of the first maybe end of the second like if he comes in i i can see teams falling in love with this guy in workouts when he comes in and shoots like you know, 55 out of 60 threes in your, in your little uh, drill or whatever. And, and he looks really good in like the shuttle cones, right? He's putting up really great times in that he's athletic. Um, not a great ball handler, but like a Danny green type is actually a pretty good comparison. As far as comparisons go, that's not a bad one. Cool. The bigger question is Alan, do you like whipped cream on your shake Milton? <laughs> oh yeah, um, I had to think. I guess about that was a bad joke. No, I just had to think about it for a second. Uh, <laughs> yes, I love whipped cream. <laughs> okay, Shake Milton sounds like a great name that broadcasters will love the moment he steps onto the court, if he does at all. Okay, last question: Who is the best upside pick based purely off rawness and skill? Like your best Bruno Caboclo, Giannis Antetokounmpo, that you could probably take a swing on and it might pay off, but it probably won't. There's a twenty percent chance it'll pay off, but yeah, most raw upside. Well, I mean, I probably already said the guy that I would choose for this, the uh, Barista Simonich guy. But if I have to choose somebody else... Like, just super long, super athletic, has, like, probably not a lot of skill, but he's still young. You know, someone like that, but... Um, somebody that I don't like, to be frank. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't think you should draft this guy. But uh, somebody who is interesting in the way that you're talking about. And if somebody said, like, he turned out to be a good player, then... 
then you know, then I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. His name is Devin Robinson out of Florida. He's um he's a six seven guy, super athletic, long arms. Um, you know, you think that he should be able to guard three through maybe five, um, definitely three through four, and uh, shows like a little bit of offensive skills. Like every once in a while, will show you a little bit of handle that maybe he could be a secondary creator. Um, shows you like a little bit of a jump shot, and his form is like pretty smooth. So you think like, oh, you know, you kind of tempted to think we can teach this guy to shoot. Um, just super raw, like never developed, came in as a high-level guy just because of those physical attributes, the measurables that I talked about, but hasn't really developed. Um, someone who I think rumors are that he's actually going to commit to the draft and he potentially could go undrafted. Uh, some people have him as high as like this, the end of the first. I think that's insane. But um, if you buy a pick at the end and kind of draft him around like 50 or 55, this guy could turn out to be you know something in that mold where just freak athletically who – happens to be hiding in plain sight and um you know adds it adds the skill stuff late cool awesome it's only fitting that we started with milton milkshake and semi nemanjevic and ended with devin robinson <laughs> the, most, <laughs> the most generic nba my player name in the world so exactly. that's how it goes so uh with that said sean thank you so much for joining us on the lakers legacy podcast uh it was very enlightening obviously we we have not delved into these prospects whatsoever to a larger extent, but we hope to do so as the season ends. And it was really good to just get you to throw out some names, even names that are not on Draft Express, which is the normal board that people typically go to, default go to. So uh, yeah. thank you again for joining us and giving us your insight. And yeah, just talking basketball with us, which is always great. So if you wanted, please just uh, plug your handles once again and where people can find you. Obviously, we are part of the Almighty Baller Radio podcast network. So check out Sean and Ode to Odin. But yeah, go ahead. Well, first of all, thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. This has been fun. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Ode to Odin and uh, just go check out my podcast. Uh, see what it's all about. I have a really interesting episode that I'm actually really proud of dropping either tonight or sometime tomorrow about uh, the 2018 and 2019 draft where I kind of relax a, a little bit of my uh, standards and we just get excited about these guys that are coming up and their potential. So check that out. That's a fun one. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thanks, man. Uh, you know, I'm just doing this and that's all. All right, so that was our late first round, early second round, early draft introduction with Sean Darenthal of O to Odin Podcast. You know, Alan, I was just joking with Sean with regards to making up people, but man, I felt like he was really testing us there with some of the names he was throwing out. Some of those names almost made Chikuta Berry Mata Boom Boom sound like John Brown or something. <laughs> I mean, that guy's a pretty good wing, so... Who? John Brown? No, the other one. Chikuta Berry Mata Boom Boom? I just want to see if he could do it again. <laughs> that was good, man. I think Chikuta Berry was a center, if I believe, oh, for the okay, okay. Lakers that we never actually had come over. Just like Adder Majok. Oh, yeah. Definitely doesn't beat Pacemphicus. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever Sean was saying. I, I, don't, I don't even remember anymore. We pretty much have to listen to our back on our own podcast to remember these names and really write them down. We probably would get the spelling incorrect, but uh, I feel like Sean really did really give us an in-depth, deep delve into some names that we could definitely study up on. For oh, this absolutely. Draft. I mean, we thought I thought he was just going to look at NCAA players, yeah. but he really took the international route. So it was, it was great to have that you know depth of knowledge and uh, definitely got me motivated to research these guys, uh, especially as the season comes to a close and we uh, approach the draft. And especially as we win more games, uh-oh. <laughs> but at least, like we said, we either have the 28th pick from Houston, and if we lose our pick, we do also get the 32nd, which will make this podcast even more important because Sean threw out a lot of names, and we might have to pick two out of that range. So, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed that. Once again, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and interview us on iTunes because the more you rate and interview us, Alan... That is how many times Julius Randle will not pump fake to the infinity infinitieth infinity. power to the nth power, basically. Yeah, stop that, Julius. To stop infinity it. and beyond. <laughs> I don't know. I'm speaking like Oprah. Uh, with that said, thank you guys for joining us. Also, if you have kids, DreamWorks Animation has this bomb movie coming out called The Boss Baby. Take them to see that. Alec Baldwin as a little tot. 
It's like a PG-rated version of Family Guy, pretty much. Alan, you're going to come to DreamWorks on Monday and watch it, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. Really funny movie, really witty movie. It was the last project I got to work on while I was working with the marketing team at DreamWorks. Now I'm obviously in production, but yeah, Boss Baby, check it out. All right, with that said, we will catch you guys later. Alan. Laters. And Shaq, one more time. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I want to rock right now. I'm Shaquille's and I came to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I've been known to rock the microphone. And I don't know the rest of the lyrics, but I'll keep on going. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.